Open your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Of course, Pastor and Mary are on vacation, and, and if, if anybody needs some rest, having been, all the thing, been through all the things that our church has been through with this pandemic, it, it's certainly Pastor Lemming, and I, I know he is tired and ready to, to rest a little bit, to sleep a little bit. And so make sure that you pray for he and Mary that they get refreshed. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Well, needless to say, the, the church at Corinth had many challenges, many problems. They had many issues. If you take the 16 chapters of, of 1 Corinthians and add the 13 chapters of 2 Corinthians, it literally took 29 chapters to straighten out all the problems in the Corinthian church. I mean, the, the book is loaded with rebuke after rebuke after rebuke. And then as Paul comes to the conclusion of the book in chapter 15, look at chapter 15, verse 58. As he comes to the, the big conclusion, scholars call this the, the big therefore or the punchline in the book. And, and he says in verse number 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is in vain in the Lord. And so the book is, is finished. Chapter 16 is a conclusion. It's kind of like a, a PS. And we have some more thoughts from, from, from Paul. For instance, in verses 1 through 4, he talks about the collection for the saints. In verses 5 through 10, he, he talks about some of his travel plans. He names certain individuals in this chapter, and he, he thanks them. And then in verses 13 and 14, Paul gives us five imperatives or commands to the Corinthian church. Almost like a, a drill sergeant in rapid fire, Paul gives five short, concise, military-like commands. By the way, they're, they're proactive commands that counter all the correction in the first 15 chapters. In fact, some scholars actually contend that if they had just obeyed these five proactive commands in verses 13 and 14, then the earlier chapters would have become unnecessary. And so, verses 13 and 14, would, would you read these five military-like commands? Verse 13, he says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. This morning, I, I want to speak to you on the five Corinthian commands. Would you pray with me? Our Father, I pray as we dive into the book of 1 Corinthians that you would open up our eyes of understanding. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be our teacher. Enlighten 
the eyes of our understanding, our spiritual eyes. May we take deep application. May it find spiritual root in our hearts and lives so that your word, your word, oh God, your word might transform us into the image of your dear son. Lord, do what you intend to do today through the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Notice in verse 13, the first Corinthian command is watch. Just take your pen and circle the word watch. Gregorio. Anybody here named Gregory? Gregory, your name means to, to watch. And if it fits anybody, Greg Rohrbrug, it, it, it fits you, brother. Watch. Uh, leave, your, leave your bookmarker in chapter 16. I, I want you to turn back to chapter 5 of 1 Peter, and I, I want you to see how th- this word is also translated. It, it, it has the idea of being awake or to be alert, watch. If you look at 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, this, this same word is translated. Peter says, be sober. Notice, be vigilant. Gregorio, be vigilant. Watch. Be alert. Wake up. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, turn, turn back to chapter 16. Did, did you know that Satan wants to lull you to sleep? And some of you this morning are getting drowsy. You're nodding your head, not in agreement with the sermon, but you're falling asleep. You're walking in a stupor. You're lethargic. You're asleep, walking in a fog. And then Paul says, wake up! Be alert. Be vigilant. Satan wants to lull you to sleep. Well, the Corinthian church certainly fell asleep in many areas. For instance, the infamous do you not know passages are all the way through the book of 1 Corinthians. You will see that phrase, do you not know? We don't have time to go through all of them. Let's just look at one chapter. Look, look at chapter 6. Keep, keep your place in chapter 16. Turn, turn back to, to chapter 6. Start at verse number 1. He says in verse number 1, Dare any of you, having a matter against another... Go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Verse 2, underline this phrase. Do you not know? Do, Do you sense the frustration in his voice? That the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the minus, you know, minute details, the smallest matters? Verse 3, underline it. Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things, things that pertain to this life? Go down to verse number 9. 
Underline that. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Look at verse number 15. Do you not know, underline that, that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Well, go down to verse 16. Or do you not know, underline that phrase, that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? Go down to verse number 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You know, the they had forgotten some things. Paul uses that term all the way through the book. They had fallen asleep to sin. Satan had lulled them to sleep. The morality of the church was indescribable. If we would just study chapter 5, oh my. Chapter 5, I would almost be afraid to preach that in a public worship service because the details are so vivid. Paul says, don't you know? And the Corinthian church looked back to him like the American church today does, and they say, huh? Do you not know? Well, certainly the Corinthian church had fell asleep concerning sin. Look, look back to chapter 15. We see this word gregario. We see it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go, go down to verse number 13. Paul said, there, there's that phrase again, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or good morals. And then in verse number 34, circle this word, Gregorio, awake to righteousness. Be alert, watch, be vigilant, and do not sin, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He says, wake up. The church of Corinth had been lulled to sleep concerning sin. So he says to them, wake up. And the first of the five military commands that he gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is wake up. Notice number two, the, the second Corinthian command is found in verse 13 is stand fast in the faith. Underline those two words, stand fast. Can I tell you something that I think is kind of maybe humorous or maybe something kind of cute? I did not grow up in church, and I can remember as a maybe 17-year-old kid reading this passage, and I'm trying to understand what does it mean to, to stand fast. So I'd sit down and try to stand up real fast. You know, what, what does that mean? Isn't that unusual? Stand fast. It's the Greek word steko, and it actually means to stand firm. In fact, if, if you have an ESV in your hand this morning, it translates that phrase steko, stand 
firm in the faith. And it, it carries the idea of persistence and perseverance. Not only wake up, but stand up, stand firm. And the Bible says, circle this word, in the faith or in the body of biblical truth. So you say, Tim, so what's, what's the problem? Turn, turn back to the second chapter. Stand firm in the faith. What's, what's the problem? Some of the Corinthians began to elevate the wisdom of man and put the wisdom of man on the same plane as the revelation of God. By the way, huge mistake. Did you know your mind is not bigger than God's? And to think that you can correct the revelation of God is sheer arrogance, pride, and humanism, and when you elevate the mind of man with the revelation of God, you have idolatry at its worst. Are you in chapter two? Uh, look, look at verse number one. Here's what Paul says. He, he's making it clear that he's talking to believers because it's almost, you know, are you sure these are believers? He says in verse one, and I, brethren, when I came to you, underline this, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not, underline that phrase, the nots, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness in fear, in trepidation, much fear. Notice, notice. And my speech and my preaching, underline, underline, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? Look at verse 5. That your faith, here it is, should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And thus, man versus God. And the struggle continues today, right? Man versus God. When Eve saw the tree, she wanted to be like God. She knew that it was a tree. The fruit would, something that would make her wise, the scripture says. And she took of the forbidden fruit. Would, would you jot this down? Just, just kind of write this down in the margin of your Bible. Since the fall of Adam, man has struggled with the supremacy of God. By the way, you struggled with it this morning. Some of you are struggling with it now. From the time you get up to the time you go to bed, you struggle with the supremacy of God. We have elevated the supremacy of man with the supremacy of God. And thus, we have 
placed human reasoning on equal ground or on the same level as the revelation of God. Paul said to the Corinthian church, oh no, you need to stand firm in the faith, the body of truth revealed in the revelation of God. Stand in the faith. Stako, stand. By the way, did you know that some of the Corinthian believers had even became, they became so intelligent, they began to doubt the resurrection. By the way, human reasoning, the virgin birth, Christians believe the, the, the virgin birth. You mean to tell me Christians believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, if we just had time to look at that entire chapter, did you know that many of the church members at Corinth began to doubt the resurrection of Jesus? Look what the Bible says in verse 12. Look, chapter 15, verse 12. Paul says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, hmm, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead. He even said in the first few verses of chapter 15, there were over 500 eyewitnesses who saw our Lord in his resurrected state, even his own brother James. Well, they were not standing firm in the faith. So his first command to the Corinthian church was Gregorio. Wake up! His second command was Stako. Stand up! Stand firm in the faith. Don't become wishy-washy in the faith. But then notice the third command. Not only to wake up, not only to stand firm in the faith, but now he says in verse 13, he he says the third Corinthian command, be brave. Underline that phrase, andridzo, be, be brave, or andridzo my. By the way, it's only found one time. This is the only place you'll find it in the Greek New Testament. I think I have read somewhere that it is found maybe 20, 28 times in the Septuagint, and it's always translated courage and so forth. If you look it up in the lexicon, it, they tell us it means to, to behave like men. By, by the way, the ESV is, a, is an excellent translation. It says, act like men. Ladies, you ever want to say to your husbands, act like men. Well, Paul said to the Corinthian church, stop acting like babies. Be brave. Be courageous. Act like men. Turn, turn back to chapter 3. Did, did you know spiritual maturity was a huge problem at the church of Corinth? Paul basically said it's time to act like men, not spiritual infants. Do you remember what Paul said in chapter 13? He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood 
as a child. I fought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He was telling the Corinthian to church to act like men. Grow up. Not only wake up, not only stand up, but grow up and man up. Start being men. Look, look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Again, he, he starts his arguments trying, trying to convince you and I that they are believers. So he, he says, and I, brethren, he, he's talking to believers. I could not speak to you as to what? Spiritual people, underline that phrase. But as to carnal. That word carnal is fleshly. Fleshly. As to what? Babes in Christ, little babies. And notice how he describes these little babies. I fed you with milk. I fed you. Hey, by, by the way, do you know in a pandemic, if you leave a baby alone by itself, they will starve to death. Why? Because a baby has to have someone feed them. And so it is with a spiritual infant. If they don't know how to feed themselves during a pandemic, spiritually, something will happen to them. They'll die physically, spiritually, so to speak, because they've not been fed. Paul said, I fed you with milk. I had to take a bottle. And then he says, I fed you with milk, not with solid food. For until now, you weren't able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able. Circle that word still. Verse 3. For you are still carnal, fleshly. Now, he, he begins to, to describe their behavior. He says, for where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere babies, like men? For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Not only do babies have to be fed, but have you ever noticed how babies are taken up with personalities? Huh? Have you ever noticed that? Go down. You remember before the pandemic and church was the way it used to be and we had a nursery and you go to the nursery, pick up your baby. If two or three people went down to pick up your baby and you reached out to grab the baby, who would that baby go to? That baby would go to mama. Yeah? Yeah. Mama. We have believers today in the church that are taken up with all these personalities. You know, I want mama. My favorite preacher's Paul. My favorite preacher is Apollos. And Paul got so fed up. Do you know what he called some of the false teachers in 2 Corinthians? He called them super apostles. Oh, I know. I'm inferior to those super apostles. But yet they were taken up with all these men. Paul said, who am I? I just planted, Apollos watered. God gave the increase. And then he said, by the way, in chapter 3, did you know that 
Paul and Apollos, they are, listen to the word, it's in the Bible. They are nothing. Whoa, man, that really hurts my ego. Nothing? Yeah, they're just nothing. Just men through whom you believed. And everybody has one. Yeah, everybody has one. But yet in the church today, we are taken up with the spiritual superstar. You know, the mega church pastors. Oh, he is my favorite preacher. That person is my favorite preacher. You know, when, when I was maybe 20, 21, I can remember in college and in chapel services going down after a service and having maybe a famous preacher sign my Bible. Do you know that's almost blasphemous to me today? They are nothing. I don't want you to sign my Bible. Did you know that God, I know this is going to blow you away. Did you know God is not impressed with you? Oh, man. God's not impressed with me. And sometimes we go around thinking that God's impressed with me and God exists for me. He said, no, grow up up in your faith. Act like men. Stop being spiritual babies. Well, he said, I want you to wake up, Gregorio. I want you to stand up. Stand up stako like you're driving a stake. And then he says, I want you to man up, andridzomai or andridzo. And then notice number four. In the fourth command, in verse number 13, he says, be strong. Kratiao, circle the words, be strong. It means to become strengthened. It carries the idea of becoming strong. It means to increase in strength, to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And these Corinthian Christians we're not becoming stronger and stronger. The truth of the matter is they were falling away. They were growing weaker and weaker, and they were falling away. Hey, did, did you know the pull toward the world is real? I mean, this gravity to the flesh is real, and it always pulls us down or pulls us away from God. Paul told the Corinthian church, be strong. Keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But they were actually falling away. Did you know there's something called seasonal falling away? When you're in pastorate, you're in ministry, man, you, know, you notice trends, global trends, United States trends. Did you know that there is seasonal falling away? Look, I can, I can testify to you, Pastor Lemming, every pastor who's ever pastored a church can tell you more people follow, fall away from the Lord during the summer months than any other season of the year. They're called seasonal falling away. Did you know that many college students in the season of their life 
fall away from the Lord? Do you know that when there's a pandemic, it's easy to fall away from the Lord? But, you know, the Bible teaches that we should be getting stronger and stronger. Let let me ask you a question. Are you growing stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper in your faith? What is God doing in you right now? Are you growing stronger and stronger and stronger in your faith? What happens? Where, where, where does falling always begin? It always begins in the heart. Somehow it begins with human sufficiency, human reasoning, and we stop praying. And then our appetites begin to change, and our hunger for the Word of God becomes less and less, and we begin to neglect the Bible. Our desire for worship seems to wane and fade. We begin to hit and miss church, and then we find comfort in sin. Oh, listen to me. Satan will tempt you during this pandemic to find a place of refuge, a place of comfort. Oh my, we find comfort in sin, and then all of a sudden, we become comfortable in our sin. Do you hear the rapid fire? Wake up! Stand up! Man up! Be strong! Don't fall away! Well, we see the command to be strong. God wants us to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Now look, when you look at verses 13 and 14, man, they are in rapid form. I mean, like a drill sergeant, wake up, stand up, man up, be strong. But then notice the last one as we look in our text. Notice the fifth one. After he gives these four military commands in in rapid fire, I love this. I love it. Look what he says, let all that you do ah, be done with love. That kind of takes the edge off, doesn't it? I mean, man, when I hear Paul says, stand fast, wake up, and man, I'm ready to salute and stand at attention. And now he says, whatever you do, everything you do, let it be get on my produced, done, brought forth in love. Would you jot this down? By the way, how many of you folks are on Facebook? How many of you all posted a political post today to see how many people you could make mad? <laughs> you know, we pontificate. Would you, would you jot this down? Please, please write this down. God expects us to hold the right position. No doubt about it. Stand firm in the faith. God expects us to hold the right position position. Write it down. But he equally expects us to have the right disposition. Have you ever saw anybody preach on hell and they acted like they wanted people to go there? We as Christians who are standing firm in the faith, make sure everything you do, you do in love. 
Oh, but you just don't know all that I have in my head. I know the Bible. Okay, let's look over to chapter 13 real quick. Turn over there real quick. We're, we're going to go home. I, I've got to stop. You're safe. The clock is winding down. He says, man, I, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, have not love, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. He says, hey, so I, I'm so intelligent. I have the gift of prophecy. I understand all the mysteries of the Bible, all knowledge, though I have, I have all faith. I can even remove mountains, but have not love. Here it is. I am nothing. But I had the right position. But do you have the right disposition? Read the next one. He says, oh, I, I feed the poor, give my body to be burned. Well, if you don't do it out of love, he says, you are not a nothing. This morning in military command, Paul says, wake up, Gregorio. And then he says, Stand up, stand firm, stake-o in the faith. Act like men, andridzomai, and then be strong, kratao. And then the fifth command, he says, let all that you do, let it be done in love. The scholars tell us if we would do these five things, it would counteract everything that Paul had to write about in chapters 1 through 15. Are those two verses important? You, you better believe it. They're military commands.